It's been a pretty rough month. Devastating hurricanes, floods, fires, and other disasters. And I'm sure you didn't miss this story. Eight nursing home residents perished in Florida, not because of the hurricane and the flood itself, but allegedly because the air conditioner quit working. And this is crazy. There was a hospital open right across the street from the nursing home. And now, this week, the nation's deadliest mass shooting in Las Vegas. All this got me thinking. What would I do in a crisis? Are there any medical devices that will actually help me survive? What about my family? What about any loved ones in nursing homes? Maybe some folks with Alzheimer's. How could they get their medicine delivered? What happens to all the newborns in the hospitals? And because I'm so into technology, how can technology really help? I wanted to get some answers, so I rounded up some of the top experts on emergency medical technology. One thing I learned is that life-saving technology has made incredible leaps over the past five years. And it's not just that. Apps are being developed specifically to help you and your doctor diagnose symptoms before you even get to the doctor's office. We already have apps that will connect you with a doctor over your smartphone or tablet. I'm National Talk Radio host and USA Today columnist Kim Commando. And in this special Commando On Demand podcast, we're going to take a look at technology, specifically how emergency medical technology has evolved in the light of all the hurricanes and disasters and just the terrible news we've been hearing about over the past couple of months. Kim Commando is brought to you in part by... Hello Fresh, delicious meals at home in under 30 minutes. Start today at hellofresh.com/kim. Whenever we do a Commando on Demand podcast, we try to put together the best of the best. I'm talking about people who are experts in their individual fields of study. And just a reminder, if you're not already getting the Commando on Demand podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast player automatically, just go ahead and subscribe. You'll be glad that you did. Okay, joining me in this podcast, first up, Steve Elder. He's the director of communications for Stanley Healthcare. It's a pretty big deal. They were honored with the 2017 Frost and Sullivan Award. Also joining us, Dr. William Kethman. He's an expert too, but also an award-winning resident physician at Stanford University, the founder of GetHealthy.com and Innovate Medical Technologies. And finally, Gene Ostrowski. He's the editor of a pretty prestigious publication, MedGadget Medical Technology News. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, thank you, Kim. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Kim. I really appreciate uh, spending time with you this morning. So, Steve, tell me, what happens in a crisis situation? In a hospital, let's say, total chaos hits. What happens next? Well, you know, this is something that hospitals do prepare for. And, in fact, they do use our technology to help them get ready for this stuff. We had one particular customer who was running a mass casualty event. Specifically, in this case, they were simulating uh, a terrorist attack in which they had to suddenly deal with an influx of 300 extra patients. And they had six hours in which to treat them. And they ran the simulation the first time without using our technology. And the result was basically a disaster. They were not able to get through all 300 patients. It took them almost an hour to find critical equipment, like an IV pump. And worst of all, staff wound up reusing equipment without sterilizing in between. They then ran this again with our technology, which helps the staff find equipment, and each other, actually. And the results were dramatically different. Not only did they run through all of their patients, the time it took staff to find a piece of equipment dropped to 10 minutes. And most importantly, nobody reused equipment. 
Dr. Kathman, you've had your hands in trauma support, life support, and cardiac support. You must have a story to share with us. I was in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina, and I was only an EMT at the time. But when the power goes out in the hospital, most of the life support systems, so when you're talking about ventilators, they all have battery backup. So the instant that the power goes out, those systems transfer over to their own independent power system. I think what happens is, you know, during storms like Hurricane Katrina and uh, like Irma, you sort of see the unpredictable occur. The storm floods the generator systems and you no longer have power. This has happened in many of the hospitals in New Orleans during Katrina. And so I think, you know, what we're getting smarter at is anticipating sort of the unknown, the, the unpredictable ways in which the disasters or with the situations kind of put to test the backup systems that hospitals have. And then eventually, you know, evacuating patients is, can be very challenging just because of the critical nature of a lot of the patients in the hospital. But, you know, nonetheless, these are all things that hospitals plan for during these situations. Now, I want to ask Gene Ostrowski this next question, because Medgadget is hot on the trail of all the latest lifesavers. So let's go back and let's use Steve's example. Say you've got 300 patients crowded into a hospital, all victims of a terrorist attack. What is the first brand new device that pops right into your head? Something that you've seen and you think to yourself, that's really something. Well, the thing that comes to mind is a device called XSTAT. And XSTAT looks like a giant syringe, but instead of a needle through which to inject drugs, it's used to push out a bunch of pieces of highly absorbent foam that look like little uh, tablets. And the device is used to treat life-threatening gunshot wounds. You simply insert it into the wound, and you push on the plunger, and this pushes the pellet out of the syringe. And when they enter the wound, they absorb the surrounding blood that's flowing. As they absorb that blood, they puff up and become much larger than their original size. And what happens is as they puff up, they push on the wound from inside, and a lot of blood from spilling out, effectively creating the pressure that CPR classes teach, which is extremely difficult to do when you have a deep wound. So this device is now been approved by the FDA, and the military now has access to it, paramedics have access to it, and it takes seconds to use it, and it stops the wound in seconds. Well, before, possibly you wouldn't be able to even stop that wound. So it's kind of a simple technology, but it's incredibly effective, and it's brilliantly designed. Okay, let me give you a different scenario. Major hurricane comes down, lots of water, major flooding. You mentioned that there are programs that will bring medicine and blood to people who are stranded? There's already a program flying in remote villages in Africa flying blood samples to a hospital for testing. And there's even a town in Switzerland where a group of clinics have been just given the green light to share a laboratory and to fly patient samples to it. So in terms of disasters, I can see that medicine can be delivered this way. It's particularly where people are trapped and they don't have their prescriptions with them. So you can deliver medicine to somebody, you know, even on the roof of a house, potentially, you know, if you can't rescue them at that moment. Also, some drugs, they require refrigeration. So if there is no power for a while in an area, these drugs become ineffective. So delivering those kinds of drugs could also be very helpful in these kinds of situations. Speaking of technology in far-off places, let's talk for a moment about Dr. Adi Nomipali, who is in the South Sudan. A pregnant woman was about to give birth but she's having these weird heart symptoms. Basically, they did an ultrasound of her heart. They took a blood sample. They sent everything by telemedicine to specialists in Paris and Australia. Isn't that amazing? 
The bottom line, the doctors were able to make a diagnosis together, which, as it turned out, saved the woman's life. Some of these patients have rashes that we don't understand. Sometimes it's very young infants with what may be syphilis, but we're not completely sure. But also it can be patients that have x-rays and we suspect there may be a fracture. And if we were in the United States or in Europe, it would be easy to send the patient to a dermatologist or a radiologist and get an expert opinion really quickly. But we don't have that opportunity in a place like a wheel. Even when the specialist says that they're not exactly sure what's going on, that is psychologically incredibly helpful to us. We work in such resource-limited areas that patients die. Even if you're an experienced clinician, you start to doubt yourself and you start to lose a little bit confidence in your own capacity. Trauma doctors are in constant crisis mode. Every second counts, of course. So you can see how crucial this is when someone's life is at stake. Dr. Kethman, I thought I read somewhere that you use a telemedicine system. Was that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I access actually my primary care physician at Stanford through through telehealth because I work a lot in the hospital and my primary care provider is outside of the system in a small clinic. And so I actually can dial in and I can do a video chat with my physician, which is, you know, it's incredibly convenient. I bet. Now, what about your team at Stanford? Have they been able to use this sort of technology to help with specific diseases? We've developed a remote monitoring system for children with asthma. So one of the big challenges in the treatment or the management of asthma is that it's a chronic illness and it's characterized by these acute exacerbations. Oftentimes we think of them as being something that they're not preventable, they happen so rapidly that nobody knows. And one of the things that we identified was that asthma exacerbations actually, for the majority of them, they take place over the course of days. And so by monitoring these children over time, we have an opportunity and probably have that opportunity three to five days before they start exhibiting symptoms that land them in the emergency department. Of course, every second counts when you can't breathe. And this all boils down to predictive technology and then also preventive technology. Of course, you want efficiency and cost effectiveness, but it's really tough to get all those important eggs in one basket. But once you do, let me tell you, it's just huge for medicine. Now, Gene, you're a major fan of simple, intelligent engineering. What else have you found that fits the bill and saves lives? There's a device that I tried myself even. It's called the FlexDex. And what it is is a device for controlling uh, laparoscopic tools. So uh, currently, laparoscopic tools, they have levers and buttons. And in order to raise the tip of it, you have to lower the handle. So they're often counterintuitive and work backwards. And so it takes a great deal of effort for surgeons to learn how to use them. And FlexBex is a device that is controlled in a very like direct way. So if you want to move the tip left, you move your hand left. You want to rotate it right, you move right, up and down, also the same. All these kinds of natural, almost, features that are essentially turning what used to be an extremely clunky and challenging technology. This new approach is really revolutionizing the field, and, and in the process, it'll make surgeries easier to perform, faster to perform, with a new level of precision. I'm sorry, Gene, I can't help it. Your passion for medical tech is absolutely, are you ready for it, infectious. Okay, that was bad. I'm really fascinated by things like this, and uh, I believe that there's a lot more things like this that are kind of lurking in the shadows. So there's a lot of potential for new things to be developed, and they are being developed, and uh, they're coming out quite rapidly. 
A single drop of blood in the future, that's all doctors will need to diagnose your problems. No more vials and vials of blood. Now, a few developers are racing to be the first to do this successfully, including Pat Limekeeler, the CEO of Apollo Medical Devices. We are developing a rapid blood testing technology. The idea is a single drop of blood from your finger that can return results in five minutes, where normally it takes 30 minutes to two hours in the hospital. So the faster turnaround time allows the doctor or the nurse to treat the patient faster, and then our device is also lower cost, and it's just a single drop of blood as opposed to sticking a needle into your vein and drawing a vial of blood. So this would be for the ER, OR, and ICU, the places where time matters the most. So that five-minute turnaround time really makes a difference both for the patient and for the doctor in getting patients moved along out of the ER. I guess one company jumped the gun on this technology and got shut down super fast. I'm sure, Gene, you're familiar with this case. That is an extremely controversial topic because uh, this company seems to have made claims that it was not uh, ever able to fulfill. So they, they've really um, gone down the tubes and major contracts have been canceled and there's investigations going on and the federal government has restricted their testing from being used. So it is something that has been a major news item in the industry and a major embarrassment for a lot of people involved with that company. Let's go now and talk about infant care and protection. Babies are vulnerable to abduction to begin with. It used to be that the babies were protected only inside the obstetrics unit. There were monitors of all the exits, and, and if you tried to take a baby out, you'd get an alarm. But once you were out there, there was no way to know where the baby was. And our new generation of solution actually is hospital wide. So now we can actually see the baby everywhere, which means that that security is traveling with the baby no matter where they are. And that's a pretty common scenario, that babies get transported outside of the unit for a procedure or something, or they're just moving between, say, uh, the labor and delivery and the postpartum. So we've closed that gap, and now they have security wherever they are. According to missingkids.org, a whopping 42% of child and infant abductions happen in healthcare facilities. That's a really large number. I remember back when I had my son Ian. He had a special bracelet, I had a special bracelet, and we needed to both have the bracelets to leave the hospital. Now in many remote countries, midwives are using razor blades and string to cut umbilical cords, simply because, well, they don't have anything else. And then they're using the same razors over and over again, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, causes all sorts of critical health problems. And sometimes the mother or the babies would die. But Dr. Kethman, you and your team have recently hit the bullseye on this one. We ultimately were able to develop with a technology that could cut and clamp an umbilical cord with plastic. It sounds very simple, but it was actually a very challenging problem to solve because umbilical cords are very tough, actually. And so we were able to integrate all of this into one device. And so um, when an infant is born, this usually requires multiple steps. Um, by integrating all of this into a plastic device, we were able to build a very cost-effective solution to the problem. And our device clamps both sides of the cord and then cuts in the center at the same time. And so it cuts down a lot of the steps. It solves a lot of the problems around cleanliness. Um, you could deliver clean, sterile umbilical cord clamp and cutters that couldn't be reused. That is such a major breakthrough to save lives. And the heart that you have for people gives me hope for the future of medical technology. It's really comforting to know that developers like you are working around the clock to make healthcare more efficient and more precise. So this way we can save more lives. Yeah, we uh, are working with a solution for helping prevent falls in senior living or in hospitals and also to promote general wellness. 
and just sort of constant background monitoring of the way somebody walks or how they get out of bed, how much motion they have in bed. All of these things can tell you their general level of health and also whether they might be at risk of a fall. And if you see a change happening, it may not be detectable to a human, but the technology can see it. And by giving you a timely alert, it tells you that there may be a health change here that you need to go investigate. Coming up, we're going to talk about the biggest fears of all. Do you have any idea what that might be? Take a guess right now. Home isn't just a place. It's a feeling that you're safe to enjoy the things that matter most. ADT lets you take that feeling with you. Whether you're at home, your business, or online, we help keep you safe. With security systems, home automation, alarms, and surveillance. So you can feel at home wherever you are. Go to ADT.com to get that feeling for less than a dollar a day. ADT. Home. Safe home. Did you know that one of the biggest fears of all is still, are you ready for it? The fear of falling. Falls are the leading cause of injury and death in older Americans. That's according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I'm sure you remember this scary commercial. I've fallen and I can't get up. Just last weekend on my national radio show, I got a call from Bob. His mother had fallen. She was in her 80s. She broke her hip. And now he was asking me about the best device for her so that he could get alerted automatically. There's tons of technology out there to alert you once the person has fallen. But Steve, I understand that Stanley Healthcare is on the brink of helping people actually prevent the falls. We have technology now in patients who have multiple traumatic injuries. Uh, one of the challenges that we have is sort of early identification of injuries, but also rapid resuscitation of patients. And so some of the newer trauma models and some of the newer technologies that are coming up in trauma surgery, we have aortic occlusion balloons, and you can stop blood flow to the rest of the body while you're trying to figure out what's injured. So I think as we start integrating these new technologies into what I focus a lot on in trauma surgery, I think these types of technologies are going to buy us time and to save more patients' lives. And I think they're technologies that can be applied at bedside, uh, in the trauma bay, and then give us the opportunity to figure out what's going on with patients so that we can take better care of them. Well, it is the kind of thing that we're looking at, sort of like voice-activated technology could be used in a community, could be used in uh, just by an individual. You know, if we were to have this conversation five years from now, I think the distinction between the two will have blurred significantly. I think one of the things that we're going to start seeing is these technologies really start getting ahead of the illnesses so that we can prevent hospitalizations and prevent ED visits. And I think that ultimately, you know, improves the quality of life that these patients have and uh, the, the morbidity and mortality of the disease in a lot of respects. And I, I think you'll start seeing a lot of that in diabetes, a lot of that in, in heart failure. I, I think it's going to be a huge benefit because I think we focused a lot on what happens when somebody with heart failure has an exacerbation in the hospital less about how do we keep somebody with heart failure out of the hospital. I'm all for that. I definitely don't want to be in the hospital. It would be great to know if someone who I love is wobbling around. Of course, I'd go check on him or her and possibly prevent a catastrophe. And prevention is key. And this is a good time to talk about the future. Let's open up our roundtable and talk about some forward-thinking technology that's really rocking the world of healthcare. Speaking of the future... I just thought of one emergency physician, Dr. Basil Harris at Lackanau Medical Center. He and his team, Final Frontier, have developed a medical tricorder right on his kitchen table. Yep, you heard me right, a medical tricorder. 
But this one's better than the one that's on Star Trek. Its name is Dexter. You just sort of run it across your body and it detects what's wrong with you. Dexter uses clinical findings from actual patients and then combines all that data with your vital signs, body chemistry, and biological functions. Then Dexter makes a diagnosis. And this is really cool. An amazing device dreamed up by Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry is finally a reality. XPRIZE is happy to share this new secret technology. And so, Dr. Harris, let me in on it. The tricorder that we're developing, it's more advanced than the tricorder from the Star Trek series. Working in the ER, it's been critical in developing this device. We have to get to a diagnosis quickly. And we broke down that process of, of all the diagnostic steps. We took that apart and we coded it, and that's the brain of our system. It's really the art and science of medicine mingling together. This tricorder coming from science fiction into reality is amazing. This is the wave of the future. There's gonna to be tons of these kind of devices on the market. So what we can scrap together on my kitchen table and in my den is what we're putting together. But don't underestimate that. The majority of patients really are just looking for a diagnosis, looking for medical advice. People that don't have anywhere else to turn. If they had this at home, I mean, it would help 90% of the cases that come to the emergency room. Just putting blind trust in the medical profession is over. And that's a great thing. <laughs> We're going to get this done. <laughs> Dr. Harris and his team took first place, and they received over $2 million to continue his research. You don't have to wait for the actual tricorder. There are tons and tons of medical apps already out there that will educate you, diagnose you, inform you, calculate your risk for stroke, record your breaths, the oxygen in your blood, take your temperature, the list goes on and on. They have names like Prognosis, Diagnosis, Figure One, Visual DX, Teladoc, Body Doctor, and the list goes on. So Steve, is Stanley getting into more consumer-oriented products like the ones I just mentioned? We are uh, looking into the consumer space because as the baby boomer ages, they're going to want to stay where they are in their homes for as long as possible. And I think really over time, the distinction between a community specifically set aside for seniors and the rest of the community, that's probably going to start fading away. So I'm speculating a little bit here about the future, but I think we are going to get to a point where these distinctions that we inherited from the 20th century around, you know, this is a hospital, this is a clinic, this is a nursing home, this is a retirement community, that's all going to start fading away as we allow people to live the lifestyle they want no matter where they are. People want control over their own health. We want to be able to prevent disease rather than just throw caution to the wind. Because when you think about it, your body is a machine. What you get out of it is what you put into it. And let's face it, we all know that when we have our health, we truly have everything. Yes, that's right. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of the, the data piece is going in healthcare. Is that we are going towards what's called predictive analytics. And that's where you try to take a highly educated guess as to what is going to happen and take steps to prevent it. Now, I want to be really careful when I say this, but... I think people are frustrated overall with healthcare. The whole process of making an appointment, getting the proper care can be downright maddening. Just yesterday, I had to change my son's doctor's appointment. He fell on his mountain bike, dislocated his elbow. Personally, I never realized what a big deal this was. 
So anyway, I had to change his appointment because Ian called me and said, listen, I got a physics exam at two o'clock. I can't miss it. There's no way I can go to the doctor. It was one of those pop-up exams that teachers like to give. Anyway, it took me 40 minutes and three phone calls to change his appointment. But fortunately, physicians are developing apps and portals to help speed up the process and make things run more efficiently. Gene, I know that as the publisher of a medical news magazine, you must be absolutely inundated with news about all these different apps. You know, there's a lot of apps out there, and typically it's the doctors and the practices that they work in that decide which to use. You know, in America, there's a lot of variety. There hasn't been yet kind of an agreement to use any one. But, for example, in Brazil, most doctors these days use WhatsApp to communicate with their patients. It's become a de facto standard out there, and most of the interactions with doctors happen not by telephone or by letter or something. They happen through WhatsApp because almost everybody has the app and just become a standard there. So everyone knows how to use it, even the older folks? Yes, I guess. You know, I'm assuming that by now a lot of people have now adapted it and it's become so common that it's really a standard now. I I believe that the public themselves, they prefer this form of communication because it's easier, it's faster, there's a lot of benefits. We're really getting close to the time where sitting in a doctor's office or waiting for something to happen, that's really going to come to an end. Because with all the data we have about procedures and about somebody who's just like you, that we've seen five times or ten times or a hundred times in the past, we can make a pretty good guess about what you're going to need when you show up at the hospital. And using that information, we can plan your visit so that you get that experience as efficient and pleasant as possible. Okay, let's step back. Two important things to consider. One, freedom and the free market is what makes it possible for physicians and entrepreneurs to develop such awesome products. Secondly, simplicity, unification of operating systems is what makes things easier and more efficient for healthcare country to country. So what is standing in the way? What will keep things moving along so we can save more lives? Okay, I found another expert, John Carlson. He's the president of Flex Medical Solutions. What do you say, John? You have to answer that question in a balanced fashion, which is part of the reason things go slow is so that bad outcomes don't happen. And so there's a conservativeness that exists in healthcare, which I think we have to respect and understand. That being said, we're at least a decade behind any other industry. If you look at the efficiencies you've seen in almost every other industry that's out there, things like data standards don't exist in healthcare, where they've existed in other industries for more than 40 years to allow people to share information to move things more rapidly. Simple things like just the ability to talk to a physician over a phone, in many places, you can't get paid for it. There's a lot of areas where the technology is 10 to 20 years ahead of where medicine is today. We could do 10 times more than we're doing right now if we simply let some of these regulations go and allow us to latch onto current state technology in medicine that doesn't exist today. So many breakthroughs, but we still have a very long way to go. I'll give you an example, true story. Two nursing homes, both in disaster situations, both with residents in danger of dying. One group was rescued on time, the other was not. A woman in the first group sent a picture via cell phone to her son. Her son tweeted for help, his post was seen, and they were saved. Nobody posted for help in the second group and lives were lost. I'm not saying, of course, that technology can save everyone, but knowing how to use the tools certainly helps. All these new devices and apps are out there for your benefit. 
for your education, for you to take a hard look at where you might be headed health-wise, and then take those steps to try and prevent those problems. That's why it's important for you to learn something new every single day of your life. It's good for you. It's good for your health. It's good for your brain. And of course, my website is the perfect place to do it because every day we post up-to-the-minute news about technology and news, medicine, scams, um, ID theft, smart homes, money, everything that you need to empower you and educate you and protect you in this digital realm. I guarantee you, you're not going to run out of anything to read at commando.com. In fact, here's a little nugget. If you're trapped in a flood, fire, or blizzard, beware of scammers. Insurance companies have been caught posting their own phone numbers, telling people that those numbers would get them through to the Coast Guard. It's best to gather an official emergency contact list before disaster strikes. And have a family plan. If all communications break down, who's the person in charge? How do you get a hold of them? Just make sure that everyone in your family knows who's in charge. Now, if you learned one thing from this podcast, do me a favor and head over to iTunes or Google Play and give us a five-star rating and a terrific review because this helps more people find our podcast because, well, then we become more popular. Thanks for listening. I also want to thank my guest, Steve Elder. He's the Director of Communications for Stanley Healthcare. You can find more about them at stanleyhealthcare.com. Also, Gene Ostrovsky. He's the Managing Editor for MedGadget and Dr. William Kethman an award-winning resident physician at Stanford University and the founder of GetHealthy.com. Great stuff from all of you. And I really need to thank Vicki Morgan. She's been doing such a great job in our podcast, and she pulled all the guests together for this one. Thank you, Vicki. been more than a month now since the announcement of the massive Equifax data breach. Personal information on 145 million has been out there in the hands of criminals for at least three months. It's bought and sold on the dark web, and they use it to open new accounts and commit crimes all in your name. They even steal from your 401k, so it's time to get protected. Sign up for LifeLock. Right now, LifeLock's proprietary technology detects a wide range of identity threats and alerts you anytime your information is used. When there's a problem, LifeLock's U.S.-based identity restoration specialists will work to fix it. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business, but LifeLock can help you more than just monitoring your credit. That's why Kim Commando uses LifeLock, and that's why you should too. Go to LifeLock.com right now and get 10% off when you enter promo code KIM. LifeLock.com, promo code KIM, and get... Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.